Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. George Dornan, a 49er who'd traveled to California from New York during the gold rush, once recalled of San Francisco, quote, the glimmer of lights as they shone through the many tents of which the city was then largely made up. That's right. Tents. At this time in San Francisco's history, most of its structures were flimsy, made up of materials like canvas and oilcloth or wood. Most structures were heated and lit by wood stoves and oil-burning lamps, and people made makeshift chimneys or flues for ventilation. Imagine it as a frontier outpost. There was hardly anything. A few boarding houses, mercantile houses, saloons. There was no sanitation infrastructure. There were few city services, and that included a lack of police and fire departments. Between 1849 and 1851, peak years of the gold rush, San Francisco was almost entirely destroyed by fire. Seven times. And there was something about these fires, at least the majority of them, that seemed, well, somehow not accidental. Some were suspicious because they seemed to start at odd times, or when someone's temper was flaring, or they seemed to break out when what locals reported as odd people were hanging around. Seven's a lot of fires, and we'll talk about some additional smaller blazes too, so let's get started. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. In the city's earliest days, the days before the gold rush, San Francisco was known as Yerba Buena. 
It was officially renamed as San Francisco on January 30th, 1847. And Yerba Buena was a small village that was formed on June 25th, 1835, when its first resident, a man named William Richardson, pitched a lean-to made out of a ship's sail on a sandy rise near what's now Grand and Clay Streets. It was tiny, but that would change with the influx of fortune seekers. Its population of roughly 200 residents grew to an estimated 1,000 by early 1848. According to Dr. Malcolm Rorbo, professor emeritus at the University of Iowa and an authority on the American West, the gold rush is what put San Francisco on the map. When James Marshall, a prospector who had traveled to California from New Jersey, discovered gold flecks at Sutter's Mill in January of 1848, it, quote, made his heart thump. It also sparked a rush of people to the state. Thousands of prospective gold miners traveled by land or sea, and they all flowed into town, and the place overflowed nearly overnight. It was attractive to a certain type of person, not only because of its location, I mean, it was where the gold was, but because, according to historians, it was a place with no rules, or at least no one to enforce rules. San Francisco's population in 1849 had grown to about 5,000 residents, but we've also seen estimates as high as 25,000. By the end of the decade, that tiny village had swelled to 50,000 people, and by 1857, Roughly 150,000 people lived there. San Francisco had rapidly transformed from what was basically an encampment into a city in roughly a decade. And with that great change came great destruction during the early years of the gold rush. A series of several fires, some small and some really big, hit the city about the same time as the 49ers. It was on December 24th, 1849, when the first Great Fire of San Francisco happened, and historical accounts have all agreed in describing the night in one word, bedlam. Just before 6 a.m., fire ignited in Denison's Exchange. That was one of the city's most prosperous gambling houses located on Kearney Street, opposite Portsmouth Square, which back in the day was known as Portsmouth Plaza. Today, this is part of San Francisco's Chinatown neighborhood, but in 1849, it was mostly overtaken by 24-hour saloons and gambling dens. Roger Lodgkin, professor emeritus of history at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, described in his book San Francisco 1846 to 1856, From Hamlet to City, that, quote, widespread carelessness and maliciousness were responsible for many blazes across the city. He continues, quote, time and again, Bursting camphene lamps, candles falling against curtains or fabric walls or discarded cigars, started fires. Time and again, though, there were also blazes like Denison's, which, according to local reports, likely went up in flames because of an angry bar patron. Théophile de Routet, a Swiss merchant on holiday, wrote of his time in America in his book, The Adventures of a Young Swiss in California the Gold Rush account of Théophile de Routet. And it included this vivid description of the fiery night as he saw it. Quote, The cry of fire, so terrifying for the city of San Francisco, built of wood and canvas, echoed in the air and spread rapidly from person to person and street to street. This was the district of wine and vegetable stalls and also of lumber merchants, alcohol and wood, 
the most voracious fire could not have sought a more potent combination. Fed by a strong north wind, the flames took giant strides. It was a horrible and yet spectacular sight. With each new rum, brandy, or grog shop it devoured, the fire doubled in intensity and at the same time changed color. It resembled a superb display of Bengal lights with reds, yellows, and blues, or else a giant punch bowl ignited by Satan and continuously stirred by the demons of hell. The fire destroyed the block and then spread down the south side of Washington Street between Kearney and Montgomery, all the way to the edge of the bay. Only two fire engines were available. That's because there were only two fire engines in the city. And they were, according to reports from the time, manned by greenhorns, which was not their fault, though. There was no training available. And according to author Pauline Jacobson in her book, The City of the Golden Fifties, one of the two trucks was worn out, and the other was, to share her perfect description, almost a toy machine designed to water lawns. In addition to a lack of an organized fire department at the time, the city had few cisterns, and at low tide, the ones they did have were empty. Between the lack of water plus poor equipment and the lack of training for those expected to use that equipment, fledgling volunteer firefighters were not much help extinguishing the flames. Most of the city's population at this time was transient. Most of them were gold seekers, and they didn't really care much about saving or rebuilding the city. They were there for gold. They were not there for San Francisco. In his book, El Dorado or Adventures in the Path of Empire, New York Tribune correspondent Bayard Taylor observed firsthand during the fire, quote, At the time of the most extreme danger, hundreds of idle spectators refused to lend a hand unless they were paid enormous wages. One of the principal merchants offered a dollar a bucket for water and made use of several thousand buckets in saving his property. All the owners of property worked incessantly and were aided by their friends, but at least 5,000 spectators stood idle in the plaza. And in the end, to defend the city, it came down to blowing it up. Authorities used black powder explosives to create fire breaks to stop the blaze's spread. In the end, the fire burned a total of 290 structures and caused $1.5 million in damage. We are going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and when we return, we will talk about the formation of the city's first volunteer fire company. And, of course, more fires. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. 
Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminalia. That's simplysafe s i m p l i s a f e dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Criminalia. Before we get into the second great fire... Let's talk about the changes that were put in place in the aftermath of the first one. There was an emergency meeting held the day after the Great Fire, called by the town council along with those considered the city fathers. And that's a list that includes names you may recognize on modern-day street signs around San Francisco. We've got Samuel Brannan, William Davis, Alfred Ellis, Talbot Green, Edward Harrison, William Stewart, and Frank Turk. The following resolutions were adopted, and we quote from their meeting, The town is severely suffering this morning from the want of necessary organization and means to meet the devastating element of fire. Therefore, resolved, 
that the citizens be requested to meet in Portsmouth Square on Wednesday next at 12 o'clock to take such measures as may be deemed advisable to protect the town against another calamity by organizing fire companies and that the town council will supply the hooks, ladders, axes, ropes, etc. to be kept by said companies. More precautions were advised concerning the use of fire. Streets would be widened. They also authorized the chief of police to employ a sufficient number of people to guard burned neighborhoods and protect the property of those impacted by the destruction. The town council didn't just say they'd organize fire companies. They followed through. On January 13, 1850, 52 men enrolled in the Volunteer San Francisco Fire Company. Frederick Kohler was elected by the town council as the first chief engineer. And there it was, the first volunteer fire department was formed. And it was instructed to, quote, direct operations at fires and conflagrations, and, with permission from the mayor, to blow up buildings with explosives as necessary. Less than a month later, on February 5th, Protection Engine Company No. 2 was organized. It wasn't until December of 1866 that the council established the San Francisco Fire Department, its first professional fire department, ending its sole dependence on volunteer firefighters. Later, too, the council had cisterns built at strategic points around the city. In less than a month, property owners had, amazingly, rebuilt most of their city. According to an historical account published in the Annals of San Francisco, which is one of the most important primary sources of information about the formation of the city, so we quote, Scarcely were the ashes cold when preparations were made to erect new buildings on the old sites, and within a few weeks the place was covered as before with houses of every kind. It was the San Franciscans who rebuilt their city for themselves. There was no sauntering, no idleness, no dreaming. All was practical and real, all energy, perseverance, and success. But just a few months later, at about 4 a.m. on May 4, 1850, A second great fire broke out in the city. This time, the fire started in the United States Exchange. That was also a saloon and gambling house, and it happened to be built on the same site as the former Denison's Exchange, where the first fire started. The flames proved difficult to extinguish, in part because it was always pretty windy, but also because parts of the city had elevated wooden sidewalks, perfect fuel for spreading fire. Before the Second Great Fire was extinguished, it had engulfed the entire block bounded by Kearney, Clay, Montgomery, and Washington Streets, and had jumped Washington Street across from Portsmouth Square. Three quarters of the city was destroyed. Town officials suspected arson, and a $5,000 reward was posted for information leading to an arrest. But no one was ever found responsible. Once again, though, Residents rebuilt quickly. In fact, construction started even faster than after the first Great Fire. The Annals of San Francisco reported that, quote, in a wonderfully short time, the whole burned space was covered with new buildings and looked as if no fire had ever been there. It was generally remarked that these were even more unsubstantial and inflammable than those which had just been destroyed. People were trying to improve building methods and materials after the fire of 1849. And to prevent future fire, a few more volunteer firehouses had been established. 
On June 4th, 1850, Empire Engine Company No. 1 was organized. Which was great because just six weeks after the second Great Fire, the third Great Fire occurred. On June 14th, 1850, fire broke out in the bakery in the Merchant's Hotel at Clay and Kearney Streets. Of all the fires discussed in this episode, this one was, unlike the others, assumed not to be arson and may have been caused by a faulty chimney. But we don't know. We do know it blazed for three days and destroyed 300 buildings. San Francisco in 1850 had only a fledgling police force, but it was big enough to control or to mostly control looting. The volunteer fire department, on the other hand, was growing but was in no way up to the challenge yet. After the destruction multiple large fires had on the city, more fire units were established, and after this third great fire, the city began placing experienced firefighters who had come to California from back east, where they'd had training, into these new and untrained fire companies. Three months later, another fire broke out in the early morning hours of September 17, 1850. Known as the Fourth Great Fire, the reportedly suspicious fire broke out on the north side of Jackson, between Grant and Kearney Streets, and it destroyed 150 buildings in the area bounded by DuPont, Montgomery, Washington, and Pacific Streets. The newly organized fire departments, that was the San Francisco, Empire, and Protection Companies, tried to fight the blaze, but had no available water with which to do so. Five weeks later, in October, the city hospital owned by a Dr. Peter Smith was destroyed by fire. All 150 patients were rescued, but the loss was estimated at roughly $40,000. Smith filed claims against the city. He sued, and it took years to settle. Arson? Or accidental, we don't know, but it left an additional charred mark on the already charred city. And in mid-December, to wrap up a fiery year, another blaze suspiciously broke out in the Cook Brothers and Company building, resulting in an estimated $100,000 in damages. We're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. And when we're back, we will be, you guessed it, talking about fires. Get ready to move into the fires of 1851. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back to Criminalia. Want more fires? We've got some. We're now ready to get into the fires of 1851. What's known as the San Francisco Fire of 1851 broke out overnight on May 3rd, the anniversary of the second Great Fire. Flames engulfed a paint and upholstery store on the south side of Portsmouth Square. English author Frank Marriott wrote of this scene, quote, At one time, the burning district was covered by one vast sheet of flame that extended half a mile in length. It burned the city's entire business district, jumping street to street. He described this destruction at length, and we'll quote just part of it. Quote, when the excitement of such a night as this has passed by, one can scarcely recall the scene. The memory is confused in the recollection of the shouts and of the excited populace, the crash of falling timbers, the yells of the burned and injured, the clank of the fire brakes, the hoarse orders delivered through speaking trumpets, maddened horses released from burning livery stables plunging through the streets, helpless patients being carried from some hospital as the swaying crowd forced back by the flames tramples all before it, explosions of houses blown up by gunpowder, the thunder of brick buildings as they fall in a heap of ruin, and the blinding glare of ignited spirits. In fewer than 10 hours, 2,000 buildings across 18 blocks were destroyed. The fire was so intense that the California Engine Company No. 4, which had organized only just in October of 1850, saw their first and only fire engine destroyed. As authorities had done in the first Great Fire, black powder was used as an explosive to create fire breaks in an effort to save the city. It's reported the flames were so bright they were seen in Monterey, about 100 miles away. The Daily Alta California published, quote, It was as if the god of destruction had seated himself in our midst and was gorging himself and all his ministers of devastation upon the ruin of our doomed city and its people. Some residents suspected that the fire was set by the Hounds, a nativist gang in the city. Others suspected it was set by the Sydney Ducks, a criminal gang of immigrants from Australia who lived on the waterfront in the area known as Sydney Town. 
It was after this fire that city business and property owners took matters into their own hands and formed a vigilante group known as the First Committee of Vigilance. The Sydney Ducks were known for intentionally setting fires. They found that it was a good distraction while they looted homes and businesses as people tended to the flames. Four members of the Sydney Ducks were hanged by the committee. And then came the final major fire we'll talk about today. On June 22, 1851, fire broke out in a wood-framed home on the north side of Pacific Street. It destroyed residences from Powell to Sansome and from Clay to Broadway, and in total, about 16 city blocks. Among the ruins were many of the old landmarks of the original Yerba Buena. The newly constructed reservoirs were nearly empty at the time, and without proper ways to fight the flames, this fire destroyed City Hall at Kearney and Pacific and the Jenny Lynn Theater. The theater had actually been destroyed in two different fires that year and rebuilt each time. In total, the fire caused upwards of $3 million in damages. Local police arrested a man named Benjamin Lewis for arson charges. He got off. In fact, you may have noticed, even if a fire was suspicious and there maybe was a suspect, no one was held responsible for any of these blazes and their destruction. During the fire spree in the city, estimates of the combined death toll from the fires depend where you look. They range from 300 to more than 1,000, with most deaths occurring during the fire of May 4, 1851. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, some residents who had tried to improve their safety situation after living through multiple fires had constructed alleged fireproof corrugated iron houses, but Unfortunately, many people were killed inside their homes because the intense heat caused the metal to swell and made it impossible to open the door. There were additional reports of people injured or killed from weapons and ammunition that discharged in the heat. The final fire, the one on June 22nd, is considered the last of the Great Gold Rush era fires. In general, improved building materials, full cisterns, and firefighting training helped prevent future disasters. There would, though, continue to be arson in the city. For instance, the 1906 earthquake got the nickname the 1906 earthquake arson fires for a reason. Many fires that broke out immediately following the earthquake were ultimately found to be arson fraud. Most fire insurance policies of the time had what was called a falling building clause, which meant they didn't have to pay out if a house fell down because of an earthquake. So to collect insurance on their losses, property owners pretended their buildings did not fall down in the quake, but had rather instead burned down. The full extent of arson fraud is unknown, but experts suggest it may have reached as high as $30 million, and that's not adjusted for today's equivalent. And we can't really close out without talking about the San Francisco Phoenix. It can't be coincidence that the Gold Rush fires and the city's survival inspired San Francisco to adopt the Phoenix, a mythological bird that arises reborn from its ashes, as the symbol of the city. It was first used in an official capacity in the city seal in 1852 as the city was being reborn. Are you ready for a little lighter fluid? Man, is this... Yes. <laughs> okay, here's the thing that kept jumping out at me as we were looking at this. Even after they had put 
hopeful protections in place, built better things, made fire departments, volunteer or otherwise. They really could not sort out the water situation. Yes. And so I wanted to make a drink that addressed that. (laughs) And it's called the Dowser. That is an excellent name for a drink that's based on that. A dowser or a dowsing wand is one that allegedly finds water. There's some mystical attachment to this idea that (laughs) someone has a natural knack for finding water with a dowsing wand. But I wanted to just make something super delicious that was very light and airy and easy to drink. And I also wanted to do something that we haven't done before, but also wanted to reference the fact that this was all kind of gold rush originated, right? So I wanted to do something golden, but we've done all the gold things, except... Did we miss one? For saffron. Oh. Oh, interesting. So for this one, which I love, I have a rabid love of saffron. I love it in everything. Put it in rice, put it in ice cream, put it in bread, put it in drinks. So we're putting it in drinks today. You just need a little pinch of saffron. I know it's pricey, but if you're like me, you'll be an addict and you'll get through it pretty quickly. You're going to put a pinch in like a mixing glass with two ounces of gin. Let that sit for a little bit. You could stir it periodically. I would say like 10 or 15 minutes. It's not a long thing, but it will break down and it'll turn the liquid very golden and it's very pretty. And then in a a tin, a shaking tin, while you're letting that sit, after a while, you're going to add an ounce of lemon juice, an ounce of simple syrup, And one of my favorite things, one egg white. I've come around. I have come around. Oh, this one's really good because something magical happens and it gets really fluffy. So once you have these things in place, pour your gin with the saffron pieces still in it right in there. I used my little frothy magic hand mixer and it became giant. (laughs) Oh, those egg whites. Or you can do a dry shake, meaning you don't put ice in your tin and you shake it really hard till it gets quite frothy. And then you add ice and get it really cold with your next shake. And then all this time you've had a the cocktail glass of your choice pre-chilling and you're going to glaze it with Lille Blanc, which is a French aperitif. So it's a French fortified desserty kind of wine. And then into that, you will just pour no ice in there because theoretically everything's already cold. You're going to pour this drink through a strainer. It is so fluffy and delicious. Oh. It takes your mind off of the fact that the city's burning down. <laughs> this already, I think, is a high-level candidate for my favorite of the season. Really? Oh, it's really good. To make this one in mocktail version, in lieu of using gin, you're going to do what we've done a couple of times, I think, in the past, which is let some tonic water go flat. And use that. It, again, you're not going to get an exact dupe of a spirit. You can always, we don't really talk about it much. You can always buy zero proof spirits and use these, use those in any of these. We don't really talk about that, but those are available. We don't. Yeah. They are. And some of them are quite good. It's a mixed bag. I've tried a number and some I really like and some I'm like, nah, not quite. But it's always worth trying because everybody's palate is different. So like, I have encountered ones where I think they're pretty good and a friend thinks they're gross and vice versa. And so I think <laughs> some of that's just palate. So you'll do the exact same thing with the saffron using your flat tonic. And then the rest of it is non-alcoholic, except for your Lille Blanc, which you are going to 
mix a little simple syrup and water, and I mean very little, like a half ounce of each, and a drop or two of vanilla extract to just give it a little something, use that to glaze your glass and you're ready to go. Holly just made a yum face. <laughs> yeah, the egg white with that little saffron situation. Yes. I'm going to make this all the time. And I may adapt it into many other drinks for my own personal use. So that is the dowser. <laughs> I love that there was still something gold to use because I feel like we really golded it up during the alchemy season. You know, I don't want to use gold, Schlager. Right, I don't want to use. I was trying to avoid ginger ale because that's an easy way to do a gold mm-hmm. thing. This is a great solution to it. Thank you, universe, for, for saffron. saffron. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I'm in love with it. We hope that you love this drink if you give it a whirl. We will be right back here again next week with another fire story and hopefully another delicious concoction to drink. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.